I'm Tom. I'm Stephanie. This is a podcast about what bonds people and places together. Or as we like to call it, food glue. Good evening. We don't normally record in the evening, do we? This is different and I'm hungry, which is maybe not a good time to record a food podcast. I believe you have a question for me, Thomas. Well, this one may make you hungry. Oh, no. <clears throat> and it's one of, kind of a, one of the questions we always ask our interviewees okay, when yeah. we're in their establishments. I'm nervous. And this is one for you. So if you could only keep mm. one type of bread to eat forever, oh, what would it be? I'm rubbing my face. <sighs> I'm laughing because I want to pick something fancy, but it's just going to be a bagel. My friend Louise will be laughing as well because she is the bagel queen. For the rest of time. Yeah, you can eat bagels at any time of day. You can have them as a sandwich. You can have them for breakfast. You can have a cinnamon and raisin bagel for like Christmassy vibes. You can have an everything bagel. It might be two choices though. Oh, what? Like you have to go flavors down. of bagel. You mean I have to pick just plain bagel? You can go with a particular bagel from a particular bakery to make it better. So it doesn't have to be a supermarket bagel. It can be a bagel from an establishment yes. you really love. Okay, so the bagels I had in New York, I can't remember what the place was called. I have to look it up on my photo feed but um i could happily have bagels as my only bread choice for the rest of my life from a, the place in new york yeah if, I, if they were bought to me daily that would be fine that's actually, that, that, that's the yeah. premise of the question you, you get can to have eat a bagel at any type of day that particular bagel from new york is stephanie's mm. choice there's just something about the way it's chewy on the outside and soft in the middle they're like my pre-race fuel i have them for lunch quite often like there's nothing quite like a cream cheese bagel, is there? With really the fatty cream cheese. Proper, yeah. No, no, yeah. Min, no messing no around cream cheese. Rubbish, no. no, no watering on. And it has to be the Philadelphia. The other ones aren't the same. What would yours be? Right. Mm. Oh, always oh, prepared. I have prepared. Well, I had, I had this conversation with my partner Jay the other day. Yeah. Um, I just randomly was thinking of questions of the week, and this one popped into my head. I would keep a baguette. From a small village boulangerie mm. in France, about 10 minutes out of the oven. Mm. Perfection. Crusty, flowery inside like a cloud. And the bit that, if I said this is going to sound like a really bizarre question, but if you could only keep one part of the bagel, what part would it, it be? It would be about the third with an end. The, the, the first bit, when, you, when you're cycling back to the campsite <laughs> yeah. and you get really hungry on the way back because your bagel, you know your bagels, because your baguettes mm. are smelling in your backpack. And you just tear off that first yeah, bit. Yeah, just to eat it. And eat it. And you <laughs> get back and they're like, people are like, where's the rest of the baguette? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's exactly it. That bit that you steal out the end of the paper sleeve. Yeah, the bit that's sticking out. And you're just like, no one's going to notice. I'm going to have that bit. <laughs> and they're um, so good and so fresh, you don't need anything on it. No, that's that That would be my bread mm. forever. From a, but it's got to be, no, yeah, not a supermarket, not no. anything big. That small French village boulangerie that everyone goes to. Yeah. And, and also it's the whole experience, potentially, of the boulangerie as well. Yeah. The first thing I learned to say in French was how to order in a um, boulangerie in France. So, du baguette. Oui, et <laughs> un pain au chocolat, s'il vous plaît. I've gone on sporty holidays in France. We, mm. have, we have appalled the local boulangerie owner because I've gone on du Suisse, du, du pain au chocolat, yeah. du croissant. I'll du... have everything, please. <laughs> I was just going to say, I actually recently had that experience of whipping the end off a, a baguette um, in its paper sleeve because I went to the Doe Mother in Beeston. Now, it's not in central Beeston. Well, it's not in 
the main town centre of Beeston, but it is on Central Avenue. Now okay. You can see why I rephrase that. Down near the A52. So if you're ever driving along the A52, it's definitely worth a detour. I had a oat milk cappuccino. Um, they had four macarons for £2, which is insanely cheap, and they were massive. Better London prices. Um, that's a bargain. I think, though, they were probably more meringue than almond, so I think that's why the price difference. And they were, like, Halloween-themed. Mm. And I also got whatever their two breads of the day were to take home. And actually, <laughs> as I was leaving, which was, it was a Saturday morning, so it can't have been that late, I was probably leaving 1030 they were bringing out more olive loaves, and as they came out, I was like, "Do I buy a third loaf of bread for the weekend?" And then I restrained myself. It sounds like I might be able to get a bit of a French blondry experience. It, they're actually Greek, so um, yeah, Calimera of... when you go in. But that freshly yeah. baked bread straight out of the oven, straight into my face. Like try to resist. They've also got those little Greek cheese pastries oh, and the really deep cheesecake, like almost like an Austrian cheesecake. I love those. We've digressed, haven't we? But yeah, I recommend it. Maybe we should um, go and grab some bits and come back and talk about them one day. We or we could sit in. We could sit in, take the mics. We could meet there because I could walk there, yeah. Take the outside broadcast unit. The outside broadcast unit. Yeah. It's very it's nowhere near as fancy as it sounds. We're back in Greenhood. We are. Sorry, I'm quite excited. I'm eating this new flavour of bun, the yeah, mocha bun. Quite excited by the glorious new mocha bun. Out, yeah, it's got a nice glaze on the top. Delicious. But the real reason we're here mm. is because we both watched, of course, Bake Off Final 2022. Mm. And we thought before it fades from memory, we'd get a bit of a hot take mm. on what we thought. Maybe of the final, maybe also the season as a whole. Yeah. Do you, know, do you know what my overriding feeling was? I remember watching the first couple of series. Do you remember, oh, what was her name? Her book. I'm thinking of her book now. Um, anyway, the end of the series was they had to make a three-tiered like afternoon tea on a stand with sandwiches, pretty fours and um, something else. And I remember being mind blown at the quality yeah. and just wowed. And I feel like another end of the series, um, even the one with James Morton where he made that awful gingerbread house, that was the end of the series, but a lot of them were like mind blowing. Whereas I felt like the whole of this final, I was like, what? They're making them make, it was like the first, the signature challenge I felt should have been the showstopper, yes. the picnic. Yes. And when the showstopper seemed like a bit, ridiculous and why the silly like sometimes the themes are getting too silly so i was talking to my partner joe about this yeah and we also watched professional bake-off i don't know if you watch professional yeah. bake-off with sherish and um and the lovely the french, french man, man. <laughs> <laughs> um i feel they've taken too much on from professional bake-off mm. and that their showstoppers have got to the level the sculptural. The sculptural level yeah. that they're, they're asking of the contestants in professional bake-off. But they're professional patisserie chefs. Uh, good point. For example, Isomalt trickled over this year. Yeah. Isomalt is normally only in the professional one, but definitely they were using it this year, um, which surprised me. I wouldn't even know how to use Isomalt. Um... It's also the themes, like the, the piñata thing. Uh... That, straight, that's, that piñata was straight out of professional bake-off. so weird. And I feel like they've had way too much influence on that show. Actually, don't mind them. Like they didn't do a hidden. Um, normally, each year they have one challenge, which is a hidden in like surprise cake. Like when you cut into it, there's something in it. And 
I don't mind them repeating some of the challenges from like the first year. They can go back. We like the format. Just start again from the beginning. Don't need to be inventive every year. Yeah. They sort of go through, I feel they go through waves with the tasks. Mm. I think, was it 2018, 2019? It was so Instagram. It was all pretty, 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 no mm. substance. It stopped being a bake-off show and started being a how nicely can you decorate a cake show. Mm. And I feel like they've gone along and they corrected that and the next year. It was much more about let's go and bake some cakes or a pie or some bread. And I feel like they've gone back that way again this year. I didn't think there was enough savoury this year. I think they could have had, a, I think it's good to inject some savory, a savoury episode. Um, because as you say, there were there were a few pies and things, but it wasn't, Bread week seemed to come and go very quick. Pastry week seemed to come and go very quick. And I think those are kind of the fundamentals of baking. Um, you know, making a really good loaf of bread. Yeah, normally they do like a bread sculpture, don't they? I don't think they did that this year, did they? They did that mask thing, didn't they? Decorated mask thing. Yeah, that was interesting. And then Mexican week, which is a bit controversial. Yeah. Some of this. Like tacos? That's cooking. Yeah. It's cooking. That's not yeah, bake-off. It is cooking. That's cooking. And you they know. could have done empanadas. They could have done all sorts of stuff, but they went down the, let's make tacos. And you're like, this is not, this is the bake-off. It's not, it's not MasterChef. I'd really like to compare um, the finals, um, like a picture of the final challenge between the series from 2010 onwards and just maybe see. I actually, do you know what? I don't mind if they have the final, like this is a bake-off. I think they team often steer away from like the obvious. Like I don't mind if the final challenge is make a wedding cake, like or a three-tiered celebration cake. It's the bake-off. It doesn't have to be. Well, as smart and professional bakers, that's what they would probably be doing. Yeah. Let's be honest. They're either going to open a bakery or they're going to be making cakes for people, right? Yeah. That, that's what they're going to be doing. Yeah. Um, do you know what my favourite task was this year? Oh, it was a technical, yeah. it was Prue Leaf's Make a Lemon Meringue Pie. Yes, absolutely. That was brilliant. The opposite was that stupid vertical tart they had to make. Yeah. Poor Sandro, bless him, it's just yeah. blown. Oh, cutting his jelly in half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit silly. Um, yeah, it's very... I, but We're whinging, but I really enjoyed this year as well. There were lots of great personalities. Um, I really felt like actually everybody was likeable this year there's been previous years where i've been like oh get this person off the telly they're so annoying Whereas well, i did everybody seemed friendly and lovely i really uh, if you'd asked me on episode one or two i thought um janish and maxi were going to be in the final yeah i did a little bit of checking before i came over mm. to check out what the requirements are oh interesting what so, to get in to get in Ooh, so it's a there's an extensive it's like an eight-round interview. Wow. Starts off with a questionnaire, yeah. a very long questionnaire, and then they get a phone call, and the phone call's a phone interview. Mm -hmm. And they do ask things like, what temperature should you bake, bake a Genoese sponge at? Mm -hmm. And all sorts of stuff. So they need a basic technical yes. knowledge. Um, then they go and do screen tests. Yeah. They do a physical bake test. So they go in and they have rounds around the country where people yeah. go in and bake, basically do technicals mm -hmm. to see how, what they're like. Once they've gotten down to about 50, they mm. do psychological profiles. Because well, they also need people that aren't narcissists, oh, aren't sociopaths, yeah. aren't going to actually be psychologically damaged by the mm. pressure, of which mm. there is... I, yeah. I couldn't do it no. with my anxiety. There's no... I mean, I'm not a good enough baker, but also there's no way I could survive the pressure. Mm. It's all right being a little podcast when we can mm. come to our local coffee shop and have a little nut yeah. out. And, but 
and like, there's no way I could do cope with psychological pressure. And they need people that aren't going to run away and leave after day one. So they need to be fairly yeah. robust. And the article I read, which was about the selection process, really interesting. And they say they hire nice people first, good bakers second. Mm. Which is sometimes why you think, why is that person there? Yeah. They're not good enough. Yeah. Ba- the baking is almost secondary yeah. to the personality. It's a TV show, so yeah. of course it is, right? Yeah. If you put really good driven, ba- if you put the best 12 really good best mm. amateur driven bakers on the show, it's going to be really dull because they're all going to be head down, no personality, just getting on with it. It's a good point. They always seem to be friends at the end, don't they? And you actually would think it could get a lot more cutthroat than that. Yeah. But maybe those are the people entering MasterChef. And for sure, I think often if you look back through previous winners, they're often people that don't have full-time jobs. So you've got the students and the stay-at-home mums or the teachers who have got time to really go nuts on the prep work and and really dedicate their time to it. Like, I don't know how the filming is these days. It used to be at weekends. 21 days over four months. Okay. So they get time in between. And they can tell nobody. Yeah, nuts. They can can tell, like, one family member. Yeah, well, they can't tell anyone. I guess they have to tell. They can tell like their most senior boss. And like, imagine having to like decline every weekend invitation for like four months. Yeah. And the kids, you've got to lie to your kids because yeah. your kids are going to tell everybody. Yeah. So like, a lot of them apparently they're on cooking courses. Okay, yeah, that's. So if you ever have a friend yeah. that's disappearing regularly for a cooking course, <laughs> <laughs> may well be on Bake Off mm. or MasterChef. You mm. never quite know. Um, so in financial wise. They can't have they they can't have a cooking qualification of any sort mm-hmm. unless it's at least ten years old. Mm. So um, they can have made an income from cooking. This is Sandro particularly. I remember right at the beginning, Sandro got flamed up because he'd made some cakes for some famous people. You, it's fine as a side hustle. Yeah, there's got to be a, quite a side can't hustle. Have a bakery. No, okay. um, it can't be your primary source of income. Yeah, it can be a little bit extra. I imagine there's a cutoff where they go. Actually, okay, Sandro's a nanny, so you kind of wonder if he's nannying for rich and famous people and therefore they've he's made a birthday cake for the kids kind of thing yeah, yeah. um we like him so we give him the benefit of the doubt well sandro was announced as the internet's new boyfriend because he? <laughs> he was a you know he's, yeah, a, he's a beautiful man beautiful yeah. man with tats um he's a nanny and he also runs baking classes for children with autism so like <laughs> oh heart melt <laughs> um so yes he's pretty cool did you think the right person won Sometimes I think... Oh, absolutely, Shabira had to win. Good, good. Um, the thing with Shabira, I think, is is that she pushed the boundaries every single week. And sometimes she was prepared to fail. She wanted to try something different. And I think that, you know, sometimes the others maybe tried that in a... Like, Sandro definitely, sometimes, rather than trying something different, tried to do more. And I thought that yes. was really interesting in the final that Paul said, I'm not trying that because we didn't ask you to do it, which I thought was very fair of him. Um... So I think Shabira was always trying new flavours. I would have... And actually, she showed herself as being quite natural because she generally, in her signature and her showstoppers, came to her roots and the flavours from her heritage. But she generally did all right in the technicals. Um, even if she... So some of them, she was quite open at saying, I have no idea what this is or what it looks like. But she obviously had some really strong baking intuition to get through those. Yeah, or she'd gone away and gone, okay, I need to know what a, yeah. I need to know all the basic history, I need to, all the basic history knowledge. If I was going into Bake Off, in those very early stages, I would be every weekend cooking something from Paul Holly's Woods book and cooking something from Leeds Bible. Yeah. Because you know they're going to come up. Yeah. And you need to know all the different sponges, you need yeah. to know all the different icing, you yeah. need to know all the different creams, you need to know. Yeah. 
I don't know how I remember no. it all. I couldn't get all that in my head. Ratios, apparently. Mm. You learn ratios. Yeah. Like the classic, what is it, for a sponge? Two, two, four or something? Two, 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 two. I don't know. Well, that, but they need to know that. Mm. So as soon as they get a technical that says make a sponge, they yeah. go, okay, it's just two, two, four. Five. I think there's more on the sheets sometimes than we think as well. That's also why I loved lemon meringue pie. Mm. What a great, that's a great mm. challenge. Remember, like, because we often think um, sometimes the final should just be make a Victoria sponge. Mm. Yeah, with no instructions. Just, just it, just make a Victoria yeah. sponge. End of story, make a great Victoria sponge. Make the classic, most mm. quintessential English cake. Just make a Victoria sponge, done. Mm. And, then that, and then you can, you know, find them because they can mess around with it a little mm. bit. But that, that's one of those classic things. So final thoughts on Bake Off 2022, you enjoyed it? I did, I really enjoyed it. It was always something I made the effort to be home for. I had Channel 4 paused while I finished making dinner. Um, as I said, I really enjoyed all the bakers. I was... Um, they were a good bunch of people. Yeah. I think it was a good bunch of people and I enjoyed the show. I think they need to revisit what they're asking them to do again yeah, and have a think about it. And it needs to be di and differentiate it from professional. I think they could do some different stuff every week. I know they've got the kind of three-bake formula, but I think they could be doing, you know, they give you a bunch of ingredients and you've got to decide what you make or you've got to make a Victoria sponge, but here's a random ingredient that you've got to somehow work out That'd how to get fun. into it. A bit it like bake, or... uh, Master Chef yeah, sometimes. They do the exactly. larder. Here's, exactly. a, here's a signature ingredient. Yeah. Make it shine. Yeah. That's one of the yeah. rounds I always like in Master Chef. I just watched a single episode of Master Chef Australia for kids. And they were given each a vegetable and they had to make that part of a dessert. Like, great, here's a vegetable. You've got basic baking supplies over there. What are you going to make us? Like, try and... Because we never see that sort of creative side. Mm. We never see them acting on instinct, really. You know, with the showstopper and the signature, they've planned those in advance. And the technical, they can't deviate from what's in front of them. It's often why, but that kind of having to react very fast on your feet, yeah. I feel, is often why the technicals... Was almost the best round, or yeah. the most entertaining round for me. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I loved it though, and I love Janish. He's still my favourite. Justice for Maxie. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Justice for Maxie. Well, yeah, it would almost be good to see like a Christmas special with some of these guys in. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, be really fun. fun. Great. I hope you enjoyed it too. We really did, and of course, we can't wait for next year. I know it's like the only thing I watch. <laughs>
but yeah, which is really quite it's really quite funny. So memories came. I can run back. through it, and I can see cooking for friends, cooking for my parents, cooking for dates, cooking for. Is this going to be like Mambo Number no. Five? There was Jessica and such and such and such and such. No, I don't need that. They, I don't need that no. detail. No, no. I think. Um, you just said it still seems really relevant. There's still things in there that I can open up and they're new to me, but they don't seem dated. Yeah. It's not a very... There's some faddy stuff, but very little kind of real faddy food. Mm. Some cookbooks you get, it's very much of the times or mm. whatever's relevant at the moment. Resist mm. is full of, full of classics. There's also... The premise of the book is effectively stuff you can cook in under 30 minutes, mm -hmm. which is one thing I really like, because a lot of us are very time-pressured these mm -hmm. days. And it's very much... You get a set of store covered ingredients laid out at the beginning, which is great at uni because you can get you basically turn up and you make your parents buy all the store covered ingredients yeah. and then lock them away so no one can steal them. Yeah. And then you top up for the meal you want to cook with just a few things, which is really nice. Or you can go to the supermarket, particularly as a student, you can go and see what's on offer, mm. whether it be veg or meat yeah. or cheese or whatever. Or then, even come home with something. And then come home with that and, and look in your book and go, okay, mm. I've got this stuff on cheap. Plus my store cupboard, what can I make? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of one of the reasons I really like you. I really used to like it. Yeah. I'm just going to amuse Stephanie by showing her a picture of young me. <laughs> just, oh. just to put it in context and we'll put it up on the I was going to say, we'll have notes. to put this on um, Instagram then. And, on the show and I'm very different. <laughs> we might have to do a kind of before and, <laughs> before and after. Wow. Very 90s. <laughs> Almost got some curtains going on there. Oh, I was I was an indie kid through the through the nineties, so I had the curtains and everything else. <laughs> Basically, for, for those of us listening along, my hair has slid from the top of my head <laughs> to the bottom of my face, <laughs> and now I have nothing on top and a lot around my face. And this young gentleman has curtains, and uh, you even have less eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> We'll share that. Looking very intense. That's we have to share enjoyable. that so you can all laugh. So this is back in the day when you were cooking from Nigel Slater's Real Fast Food. Yes. So that, I thought I thought that would be quite fun for a bit of relevance. <laughs> and then also you, you loyal listeners can also see what I was I'll like. I'll have to find her a picture of me in 1994. You're a bit younger than me. Oh, were, yeah. Were you, <laughs> were you cooking? No. When my partner's daughter Erin recently went to university, I got her a copy of this. Oh, nice. Again, because she's been brought up in a house that cooks from fresh yeah. a lot. We, we generally cook. Most of our meals from scratch. We're lucky we've got the time to do that, and she's and she's used to that kind of home cooking. Yeah. And but busy student, you don't really have the time. So again, this is a really nice way well, of doing. You might it. have to ask Erin what she's made from it so far. That's and a, get a little sneaky recording. That's a really nice idea. So I think it's really good. What are your? Obviously, this is your book. Do you have any kind of thoughts? Um, I like it. It's a good book. I haven't used it for a long time, actually. I. I think it's good for non-premeditated cooking, whereas often now I'll plan my meals and order my food for a delivery for like a week. And then I tend to, I don't know, as you say, I think I sort of forgot about it and maybe I need to go back to it. I also find N Nigel swings one way or the other. He's either quite meaty and therefore it's kind of not my bag or he goes super light and then I'm not full. Okay, yeah, got you. So he'll often be like, oh, you know, it's a lovely summer's day. I'll just have some bits of rocket with peach. I think this, this book is pre when he started getting really like that. Yeah. Because okay. I love because of his kitchen yeah. diary stuff and his later <clears throat> yeah. books. And this because it's a diary, I guess. So, yeah. yeah, you do have feast and famine because one day you are full from the night before. I really agree with you that it's not necessarily a very considered book. It's yeah. you walk in, you've got some stuff you just picked up from the shop yeah. and you go to your, and you go, OK, what can I cook with this? Yeah. It's almost that kind of ready, steady cook. 
yeah. nature of things, which I really, which is great when you when you're not very good at planning because you've been out on the beer when you're a student. And probably compared to some of Nigel's other books, it's less prosy. Yeah, you're not going to a lot of his other books. You can kind of take to bed and read over a few weeks, whereas this one not so much. You could, I mean, you could, but yeah, it's very different. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I really like it. Um. Recipes wise, there's two. There's two which always make me laugh. Actually, three. So pretty much as a student, everything I started with was when I was being posh. Mm. Was bruschetta. What a student you were, bruschetta. <laughs> bruschetta. Wow. Well, you we just got, <clears throat> you just kind of got like slices of bread and some oil and rub some garlic on it, yeah. and then again whatever you had. Yeah, I remember true. putting mushrooms and paprika mushrooms yeah, nice. and sort of a and then a sort of tuna thing. Yeah, it's a good use it up, use up slightly stale bread mm. recipe. Yeah, yeah. So I always remember yeah. doing that. That was um, that was quite a quite a key one. Risotto. Mm. My mum always my mum will always tell a tale of me as like a 16, 17 year old. Um, cooking risotto mm. for, for my girlfriend at the time before I left mm. university. And she always seems to take great pride in talking to her friends that I used to make white wine risotto mm. and then have chardonnay and a, and a candle with my girlfriend at the time yeah. while my parents were hiding upstairs. <laughs> so she always, makes, she always always brings it up. I used to think she's trying to embarrass me. It turns out she was quite proud. I, I actually keep some vermouth in the um, fridge for making risotto because then you don't. I mean, there's nothing wrong with opening a full bottle of wine and having to finish it off as a chef. But sometimes if you want a midweek risotto, haven't you can chuck some vermouth in instead of wine. Top tip from me today. And then the next one, the last one, mm. that really kind of just... I was like, mm. oh, my God, I remember cooking that so many times. Tarragon chicken, super simple. Mm. But I really like tarragon chicken. In fact, I'm going to have to cook tarragon chicken this week because I've, because I've really missed it. But I do remember, I'll tell you one story, and this, doesn't, this isn't rude. I, d I was dating one young lady. I know this is like Tom's. Tom's cooking for, for ladies. <laughs> but I was dating one, one young lady who I quite liked. And I thought, great, tarragon chicken. Yeah. That'll do well. So I spent ages making the tarragon chicken. I probably made bruschetta because, yeah. because it was. And there's probably some Chardonnay involved. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, I'd finished the dish, mm -hmm. presented it. She asked for ketchup. <gasps> and that was the end of that. Oh, thank God. That I would have done the same. That was the end of that relationship. <laughs> Sometimes my other half seasons my food before he's tasted it and it really upsets me. And I know he just really likes black pepper, actually, so he'd put it on anything. But I actually sometimes leave it off the table because if it's not on the table, he doesn't do it. Or he might then, if it's under-seasoned, go and get the seasoning. But if the black pepper grinder is there in front of him, he just does it. I mean, he'd do it in a... If we were in a Michelin-starred restaurant and there was a black pepper grinder on the table, he would do it there as well. auto autocondomating. Yeah. Oh, I like it. Also condomating. Yeah, autocondomating with ketchup was... Um, oh, yeah, no. So that but was... she's probably one of those people that has to have ketchup with everything. Yeah, but she tells you quite a lot about... Yeah. Yes. They don't so, like food. They don't like food. They just like the taste of ketchup. So that... So... Where would you get tarragon these days? Supermarkets. Oh, you can still... Okay. Yeah, it's quite available. Some of the dried stuff isn't that bad. I, yeah. I'd imagine at the time I was using dried rather than rather True. than fresh. Yeah. Um, I guess you could if you've got. I don't know. I think it's a slightly fragile herb, so you probably need to. You can't necessarily grow it yourself, but mm. maybe during the summer. The only other thing, actually, generally about Nigel Slater books, maybe, is that he they're often in paperback now, and he or whoever is his editor they have this oh it's got my notes in here I yes, just it always noticed. makes me laugh when you get a stephanie book it's always oh, got like notes I, I always put notes in um whoever his editor is they often let recipes go over onto the back of a page now if i had a cookbook that's like a hard no from me because you've had to wedge these open with a book or something to read the recipe and then halfway through your cooking you've got to take everything apart and if you're dirty it's 
Or like if you've got wet hands, it's a bit annoying. But it's quite a dry paperback. There's no yeah. pretty pictures. But no. I mean, for what it was, it was a gateway. I think almost it was the gateway to the world we, of my cooking. As we said about Keith Floyd, there weren't that many pictures in recipe books at the time. No, and also printing. Printing for colours got a lot cheaper. Going back to a previous it, career. It's looking to me like I've only done the fish recipes for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the salmon and the trout. Oh, one of them was delicious. So delicious. And I served it with sugar snap peas in, like, 2015. <laughs> I quite like making notes in recipe books. So there you go. Nigel Slater's Real Fast Food. You were away recently and you raved at me about a restaurant that you went to. Yes, I've just been in Wales for a weekend. Um, and we were going to, well, I didn't know anything about Snowdonia, so I was going to stay in Lamberis, but my other half said, no, categorically, we're not staying in Lamberis. He called it a rude word. But I think that's actually because he just really likes Betsy Coed, which is then where we stayed. So I think in comparison, they seem different. And we rolled into Betsy Coed very late. I actually would rave about everything in Betsy Coed, and apologies to Welsh people for my pronunciation. Um, we rolled in quite late, and the whole place is like, twinkly lights yeah so a couple of the kind of um the old train station which is a big train station has got all restaurants and things in and they've got all twinkly lights over the old cast iron like covering that would stick out above the train station and there's a big hotel that's got loads of twinkly lights so it felt really special it felt like something out of an american movie actually driving in at night we were arriving late so I didn't want to cook, even though we had self-catering. And we had a great recommendation from our friends, Harry and Emily, who said to go to a place called Hang In Pizzeria. It's like a play on words of Hang In Pizzeria and Hang In, hang out there. They've got inside and outside seating. And the outside seating, you're going to love this. There's blankets, but there's also a basket of dog jumpers. What? And it just says, please return after your meal. That's amazing. So you can wrap your little doggy up in a little... Nana knitted jumper while you eat your pizza and you can pay 30p for a doggy sausage and that goes to the orangutan sanctuary the orangutan sanctuary yeah because it's their logo hanging is a hanging orangutan got you yeah it's really lovely again it's in this sort of twinkly bit outside the station we actually ran in and got takeaway and liam was like it's amazing we have to go back <laughs> so um we haven't been back and sat in for pizza but we did go the next day for a drink just before we went to dinner at a lovely little place called Olive, which looks like a double-fronted Victorian traditional house, much like you'd see anywhere in the UK. It's got some steps up to it and some nice big umbrellas out the front. And effectively, the two front rooms in this Victorian house are now the sitting rooms of the, the dining rooms of the restaurant. So you go in and you either go left or right. Lady greeted us and we took our little dog Marlow and she was so happy to see the dog. Made a huge fuss over him. We turned right and because I'd let them know we were bringing the dog, we had a perfect like end table with plenty of room for him to kind of relax. Um, the menu is what they call Welsh tapas. And that it, it does exactly what it says on the tin. So it's small sharing plates inspired by whale, inspired by Spanish tapas, but using local Welsh flavours. So one of the dishes I had was basically just egg, <laughs> but it was incredible. So it was like thinly layered slices of eggs with cream and like a mashed potato. Oh, it was so good. Like baked. So the whole top of it was all like brulee almost. And what else did we have? I want to I want to dive a bit more into the egg. Yeah. So was it... Like the, boiled. Was, so it was like layers of boiled egg. Sliced boiled egg, yeah. 
the top to it? Was it like a like zap- potato dauphinoise, but with egg? Just layers and layers of egg. And a bit of mash and like creamy, mustardy. And in like one of those little ramekins that yeah. you get tapas in. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'd never thought of serving eggs like that. No, but it was delicious. They also do sharing platters. So they do a vegan, a cheese and a meat sharing platter. So the people next to us had two tapas, a cheese sharing platter and some breads. They made a huge fuss over the dog. He loved it. And it was just a really... And actually upstairs they have rooms. So if you fancy going to Betsy Coe to enjoy Snowdonia, you can even stay in Olive. Oh, okay. And just the atmosphere was so nice. In our half of the restaurant, there was probably only five tables, maybe six. And we went in at 6.30 and it was full. I guess because people are doing outdoorsy activities, they've been out on the mountain all day or out walking all day. 6.30 it was full. You get off the hills. Yeah. And you've, you been just out, you've been out riding as well. Yeah, exactly. You're going to want to eat, aren't you? Yeah. Because you, I remember so, you saying you were quite surprised how busy it was, but then yeah. on reflection, if it's full of sporty people or outdoorsy type yeah. people, walkers. Yeah, exactly. It was just a really lovely home. It kind of felt like you were in someone's front room a bit. And I sort of forgot that there was this whole other side of the restaurant um, that was also being served. We had one waitress for our half of the restaurant. We also had dessert, which we don't often do, but they all sounded amazing. And I just loved it. And it was surprisingly cheap. I was really surprised at how much we spent, actually. It was around the 50 quid mark and Liam had had a beer and I'd had a cocktail. It's pretty good, two people. And we were full. Did like, you get a dog sausage? No, we didn't. They didn't do the dog sausage there. Oh, because that was at the hanging That was hanging at the pizza in. place. Okay. But like, we ordered one more tapas than she recommended as well because we were hungry. Um, so we ordered a lot of food and it was great. I'd highly recommend it. Olive, Welsh tapas in Betsy Coat. Sounds fantastic. Mm. I The food was great, but also the welcoming atmosphere yeah. of it really made it and it just being cosy and... Did you have to book or was it was it fairly easy? I had in? booked and I was glad I did because yeah. of it being full at 6.30. But if you were the kind of person that maybe was going to turn up at 8, you'd probably get in. Um, but if you're tra- heading that way, I would just book a table. And it I only booked it in the week, maybe on the Tuesday before okay. we went on the Saturday. But, and you also booked, it's not like it's in season. You went in October. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like it's mid-July. No. It's busy in October, yeah. then it must be a great place. Absolutely. So I think if I was staying in the area, I'd definitely try and um, swing by Olive. We took, I say we, myself, my partner Joe, and my friend Mark, mm-hmm. took a trip down to the Nottingham Beer Festival in October. Where was it this year? It was at Trent Bridge, which is the big cricket ground. Cricket ground. It's mm. been in many places. It's partly why I wanted to talk about it. Um, because it's been, when I first moved to Nottingham, it was always at, actually it was like Victoria Leisure Centre, first when I first came, which was quite small. And it's mm. gradually got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it was in the castle grounds. Nice. And it was massive. It was huge. Like yeah. two enormous marquees joined. Yeah. Um, and we always used to go, a bit of a sports and social thing at work. I always used to go on a Friday. I bet it was heaving. Yeah. Uh, and and in town, there were a lot of people there that didn't really like beer. It was just something that you went to on yeah. a Friday when the beer rather festival than going was on. To the, rather than going to a bar, yeah. And there were lots of businesses doing the same, doing a similar thing. Well, lots of people mm. on, on work, on not work, I say work junkets, but... Was, Let's all go together, or, yeah. the, or work was certainly paying people's entries in. There was lots of people there, and it was really big, really good fun. Lots of they had lots of bands. They had like a sound stage and a food and food areas and everything else. Then the castle recently has been redeveloped into more. They've put a lot of money into making it more mm. of a visitor attraction, 
and there's no longer the space to have the beer festival there. They've done stuff with the with the flat ground, with the grounds, with the grounds the developed bits of the ground, so they can't really put the beer festival on. So it looked for a new venue. Then it was at the Ice Arena. I forget what it's called at the moment. Yeah, Liam went at the Motorpoint Arena. It can't have been that long ago. And, uh, it was like 20, pre-pandemic was when I went, yeah. so it was 2019. Um, and I actually quite, I preferred it. But I can't remember whether it was because we went on a Thursday afternoon rather than busy on a busy Friday. Mm. But I did feel you had more space to move around it. It was a little soulless. Was it in on the ice? Yes. Obviously, you cover it over, sleep, yeah, but it's still off. wet. I went to see Brian Cox there the other week and it was like creeping doom. Like you don't want to put your bag on the floor. It was all right. I can't remember. But I felt it was good. You could move around, you could see yeah. stuff, you could do stuff. It yeah. was a bit more more but it was a bit not cozy it wasn't very cozy and it was a bit soulless then the pandemic happened and having a beer festival with not was obviously not not a great idea and then when it started again in 2021 they put it on a trent bridge Mm. and i was very skeptical Mm. because it was one it was a lot smaller Mm -hmm. the area they had was a lot smaller and two it's a lot harder to get to to get back from not for people from West Bridgeford now, if you're in West Bridgeford perfect if you're from Beeston which is the other side of town yeah bit of a nightmare yeah not really a nightmare if you're fairly mobile it's not really a problem yeah. and there are regular buses that run run fairly but it's not it's not a tram into town and a tram home and no. a bit of a stumble it's a bit more of a considered yeah. thing and even if you're going to get a taxi you want to walk back across Trent Bridge and down the embankment a little bit and call your taxi from there so you don't have to do all the whirly gig one way nonsense so I was a bit like, so we didn't go last year. We were a bit like, mm, mm. a bit of misery guts. And, I look, and also, I think I was probably still a bit post-pandemic, a bit, oh, mm. thousands of people, not, not, not so good. In one space, yeah. In one space. I don't really want to be there just yet. But this year, we decided to do it. I've also yeah. spoke to a couple of people in my local pub mm. who are organisers. So it's put on by Nottingham Camera, so they can mm. pay for real ale. Uh, and this is their big flagship, flagship event. It's one of the mm. biggest beer festivals outside of London in the UK. Wow, I didn't know um, very, very high quality, very put on by a very dedicated team. Um, and I expressed my concerns to John, and he, and he said, do you know what, Tom? I totally understand what you're saying. Just do me a favour and go once, and then let me know what you think. And I went, well, I've been challenged. I've got to go now. So, <laughs> so we went. So we got the train to Nottingham yeah. train station from Beeston, and they walked down. Quite a pleasant walk, actually. Walked over yeah. Trent Bridge, walked in. Um, the security staff were lovely because these are the same. I said, I know it sounds really daft, but you want to be greeted by nice people yeah. when you walk into a venue. And these are the normal security staff they have on for cricket okay, cricket yeah. events. So they're a little bit more, they're not the normal kind of rent a mob. Rather than most point arena where they're like, throw mm. your water out <laughs> and throw you around. So not throw you around, but you know, mm. it's, it's not. It's, they've just, they've had grunty they've, teenagers. Grunty teenagers. So they were not grunty teen- teenagers. They were very nice, very considered people who clearly cared about their venue and what yeah. was going on in it. It was really nice. And, you get that, and that was one of the, almost the first thing I noticed was these people, and they were smiling and they were happy mm. that you turned up. We did go on a Thursday afternoon, so they hadn't done five days and were completely jaded mm. at this point. That was really nice. Now, the, the event itself wasn't inside the ground. It was, I was going to so, ask you where it was. It yeah. wasn't on the grass. It was on the west side all the way around the outside. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there's bit, there was a bit under cover. They put some marquees up. So yeah. you imagine almost there's a circle. Yeah. And it was in a hemisphere, so half the circle on the, yeah. on one side of that circle. Yeah. Kind of in the, in the shelter of the stands, but not necessarily inside. Were they utilising some of the bars that exist for match day? Yes. Perfect. Yeah, great. And what struck me very, very quickly is that cricket grounds are basically designed for drinking. Yeah. 
Okay. Like rugby, like on rugby grounds as well. They're, they're designed for yeah. safe, happy drinking. That, yeah. That's what their purpose, not their purpose, but that's, that's yeah. they're designed that way. So there, there was, and it's funny to talk about the beer festival and talk about this. There was loads of toilets. Yeah, true. Well, always yeah. good when you're, always good when you're yeah. drinking. The men's and the ladies' toilets are quite far apart. Yeah. So you don't feel like you're going to be, you're being followed in by some. Yeah. Or going into the wrong one. Or going into yeah. the wrong one. There's loads upon loads upon loads of them. Yeah. One of the really nice things is they've got um, water points. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. For hydrating. Yeah. So it was super easy to have your whatever it was. Yeah. And then wash, as you washed your glass out yeah. at the hydration station. Have they a drink. It, have, yeah. a, have some water. Absolutely. And there was loads yeah. of it. Absolutely fantastic. True. Um, there was It was a lot smaller. Did they have any food? Yeah. So there was... Loads of street food vendors. Okay, good. Scattered all over the place. And again, I wonder if they're the ones they normally have for the cricket. Yeah, could well be. Mm. You know, and they were they were doing their stuff. Huge variety of you know Greek, Indian, Spanish, mm. Italian, yeah, cheese, cheese toasties. Yeah. So you could eat and drink. Really nice time. Lots lots of bar snacks. Um, it was smaller, so I would say probably compared to the Motor Point mm. or the Castle, it was easily half the size. Okay. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing mm. because I think it's a more considered decision to go there. Yeah. So the people that are going to the beer festival yeah. at Trent Bridge are more likely to really like beer and not yeah. so much going just for an evening out. For a night on the lash. For a night yeah. on the lash. It's a more, it was much more considered yeah. okay. journey Point. and destination. There was still more beer than you could you could ever, you know, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds upon hundreds of, wow. of real ale in, in casks. Yeah. Um, they had... And we spoke about the difference, and they also had a key keg bar, so the kind of more modern craft beer with nitrogen charging wow. stuff as well. And also had all the Nottingham breweries were there, so Navigation, Totally Brewed, Raptor, <clears throat> Black Iris, all of these, all the, mm-hmm. all the people we've kind of I've got to know recently through enjoying beer, Totally Brewed, were all there, applying mm-hmm. their wares. Mm-hmm. So it had a lovely mix of the normal kind of traditional ale, real ale festival, which mm-hmm. is barrels in racks and mm-hmm. volunteers serving yeah. beer. And all the modern stuff, and all the local breweries, and water, and toilets, and food, and happy people. The weather was nice, blessedly. That so helps. That did help. But I think it would have been okay if it was. If it was yeah, there's enough cover. As long as it wasn't a torrent. Yeah. With the wrong wind, I think you'd have been absolutely. I think they'd been yeah. absolutely fine. Um, the only issue with these places mm. is working out what to drink. <laughs> Too much choice. <laughs> absolutely, and it's like a normal kind of token system. Okay. So you you buy you basically buy blocks of tokens. Yeah. Um. They went cash free this year. I think it's a really sensible thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then you gave if you bought if you wanted half a pint, it was a certain number of tokens or a third of a pint or yep. a pint. Generally, you don't drink pints because you want to try lots of stuff. Yeah. You might have thirds and halves the whole way through. Um, so we always what we've always done traditionally is pick a theme because when you've got three hundred beers to choose from, you can look through a program, but you've got absolutely yeah. no. Idea. You might know you like light or hazy or darks, yeah. but. They're still they're still going to cut you down to a hundred. Yeah. So we went with mythical creatures this year, <laughs> just to give I us. I thought you were going to say like a stout or spicy ales or no, no myth. Was this on the name or yeah. in the artwork? Name both because you only get to see names. There's very little artwork. Oh, okay. So maybe the the local Nottingham breweries might have their artwork up. Okay. But in the big beer tent, okay. no chance. All you get is a name. So what did you have? Some unicorns. Unicorn wyverns. A couple of dragons, some imps, wow. nice. all this sort of stuff, yeah. um, which is all really, you know, which is great because you get to yeah. try stuff. 
Some people, I'm sure, go in there, they know exactly what to get because they're complete beer heads and they've been looking forward to trying mm. this brewery's beer forever. When you're not, when you're kind of a fan but not completely obsessed, mm. really difficult. It's like betting on horses. Yeah. Like, I used to be the bookie and I just used to say of people, like, oh, it's my first time, what shall I do? I just like pick a name you like, really doesn't matter. <laughs> Anything could happen. So, yeah, mythical creatures. Yeah. And everything we chose actually turned out really well because I guess. Good. The people buy because camera, not even camera, buy the beer off the breweries, yeah. so they're not going to buy rubbish not stuff. Really, yeah. There's always some wacky twenty percent stuff Whoa. and some fourteens and some and some bits and bobs. But no, we just played it fairly mm. sensibly, and then of course we could have some water in between each one, mm. so we kept nice and hydrated. And also good for like clearing your palate if you're going yeah. from like something light to a stout, you want to. And we were going all over the place, so it was yeah. quite nice. Yeah. But, um, so I did go back to my friend John, mm-hmm. who challenged me, and I said, John, I was wrong. I thought it was a great event. Um, and it says, but those almost those three things, the water, the toilets and the staff yeah. were almost as what made it. Yeah. Because it made the those little things made the experience much better. I didn't have to queue for a toilet. I didn't get thirsty. Yeah. The security staff were all lovely and friendly. Yeah. And that just set the tone for everyone, really. Everyone was yeah. just having a nice time. So, well, I think, well done, Nottingham Camera. And I highly recommend it. Well, you sold it to me. I'll have to go next year. But I would outing. recommend, if you're a little bit mad, I mean, get a little bit anxious. It's worth maybe taking an afternoon off work and going during yeah. the week. It's much, much quieter. Okay. Or just going early in general. I'll go early. Yeah. yeah. And get out by, like, you know, be out by seven. Yeah. You can get very busy. Yeah. If it rains, it will get very busy because yeah, everyone will conglomerate. Yeah, it's a nice day. <laughs> and do you think you could have bought tickets on the day? Yes, I think you could. Some, okay. um, the busy ones like Friday night, Friday, Friday afternoon, Saturday, yeah. Always sell out generally, but if you're going during the week or yeah. you're going you're going early, it's not so bad. Because I also went to Oktoberfest at the garage, and it, I think it was seventeen pounds entry. And I think if they did it again, they should be giving a glass, even if it's a plastic glass that you have like that you have all your drinks in for the rest of the night. I just thought it was a great night. I really loved that everybody had a seat. As you say, I didn't have to queue for the toilet. I didn't have to queue for the bar. They had a great band on. I had an amazing time. But that place was full and I just think for £17 they could have given us. Or they were charging for these silly Oktoberfest hats. I'm sorry, they should have just given everyone one of those for free. Like, just chuck something in, boys. We we love the carriage, but 17 quid was steep. Uh, I wouldn't have minded had I got um, some beer. Or, yeah, half a pint... I would I think <coughs> realistically, I'd have liked a pint of beer. Oktoberfest, yeah. And potentially even, because 17 quid, you got nothing. No, just your entry in the just band. Just your entry and, the, and listen, listening to yeah. the band, which I thought was overpriced. Um, so I, you I did take have... a leaf out of the beer fest books and and give us a free pint when we come into Oktoberfest next year, please. Yeah, don't I'm talking to you and I'm going to share this podcast with you. I really enjoyed, <laughs> I did really enjoy Buns. I had a, yeah, really, I had I had a really good night. Yeah. night. So don't get me wrong, I just felt it was a bit steep. If I hadn't, I think if we hadn't all had such a great time, I think everybody would have said afterwards, oh, the tickets are quite expensive considering we didn't get a drink. Talking of beer festivals, how much was the one you went to, Tom? £10. £10, and you got a pint of beer and a nice memento glass for that. You got nine tokens, which is effectively three half pints of most of the stuff. Okay, so a pint and a half, yeah. And a complimentary glass, which you're free to take home with you yeah. for £10. That's and, really good. And they you. were hiring the pro- the premises. Yeah, and which, paying for the staff and everything like that. It was really good. Yeah. Really good, yeah. And also you get you get a discount if you buy even more tickets on the as part of your entry. Yeah. So bang for your buck, if you want beer for your money, 
not Spear Festival, not Oktoberfest, but if you want an umpar bar band... They were a quality umpar bar band. They were quality. And a good night out then, equally, Oktoberfest at the Garage, also top-notch. So great to have you all listening. We'd really love it if before the next show, if you wouldn't mind sharing your favourite show that we've released so far with your friends, family, you know, tell somebody about it, share it on social media, whatever way you see fit. But if you love us, please spread the word. You've been Stephanie. You've been Tom. Keep eating. Yum, yum. And we will too. Whoop. Thanks for listening to Food Glue. Please subscribe to us and share us with all of your friends, family, your nan, your dog, whoever. We would love to hear from you via our Instagram at foodgluepod or you can email us at foodgluepod at gmail.com. And if you've got some spare time, please do rate and review us on your favourite podcast player because it helps other people to find us.